Dark Cast Network, indie pods with a dark side. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place where the ghosts like to wander. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Hurgy mateys! Welcome to Mission Spooky. I be your host, JC. With me today. As per usual, the queen of everything herself, Kiki, and our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord. How you be doing? I'm a little upset because I've been downgraded to just the queen of everything instead of the dreaded queen of the high seas. I think that was the Look, first. I can't. I can't time. fucking do this shit. I can't remember all these different titles and different voices. At the, we we do different segments and things. I don't know how to write things down, so it's not like I have a list of like titles and greetings and things. Like I just I wing it every fucking time, Kiki. If only JC knew how to read. <laughs> And right. He could have a notepad open right now on his desktop, just writing down what he says for specific intros, since that's yeah. literally his only job. If only he knew how to read. <laughs> if only, if only. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't. Well, hey, speaking of all the different segments that we've been doing, so main show stays the same. We made a couple of changes, though. Kind of excited about it, actually. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you already know all of this stuff. See, this this is one of the pluses of having even just a dollar a month to help us out. Get a little bit of access to like some information. So they've already known this weeks ago. The side missions, we're going to keep those because they're little side things that we talk about that not everybody might be interested in, but they're going to stay related to what the topic is for, for an example, pirates will have its own side missions. And we're still doing core versus cryptid. We're still going to do paranormal dungeon because those two things are connected. And we're still going to do soil sessions once in a while when Cord and I aren't like super ridiculously busy. Two things that have been taken down already. Our bonus episodes on states and stuff, that's going to be on Patreon. The new episodes of those, including Cord, will be at the $3 level and the archived ones will be available at the $1 level. And then all of our movie reviews and anything that was related to the Get Geeky with Kiki stuff. Our interviews with uh, TTRPG people, for example, all that stuff is YouTube only now. Exclusive YouTube content. Free, just I'm putting it over there. And one of the biggest reasons is that we don't want to clutter up the podcast feed with things that we don't do on a regular basis. So we are going to try... We talked about it a little bit. We're going to try to do a few movies for Spooky Season specifically okay. to do quick interviews for. But those will just be something you listen to on YouTube. So just go make sure that you're following us over there. Again, all 100% free content over on YouTube. So hey. that's that. That's like the big woohoo. We finally, we finally kind of figured out what everybody wants from us and what everybody seems to like. So congratulations to JC because your first one where we did the ghosts, it did really well. Oh, nice. Yeah, and we have another one. Okay, cool, cool, um, cool. I hope people enjoy that too. Otherwise, I'm going to I'm gonna cry in a corner. <laughs> so, Down by the river. <laughs> yeah. 
I hope you guys did get to also check out our sponsor from the last two months, which was Smell of Fear Candles. Fantastic company. So please go check them out. Just wanted to mention that. Oh, and I went to an art show last night, which technically uh, by the time this airs would be like a couple weeks ago. And that was at Midnight Gallery, which is pretty much right across the street from Lehigh Carbon Community College. If you guys are listening from Pennsylvania in the area, you know where that is. It is in Schnecksville. And I bought myself a painting last night. Hell yeah. Is it better than my Live, Laugh, Limp Biscuit painting? Maybe <laughs> it's a painting of macarons, which I love macarons, but uh, one of the colors was very much like the mission spooky bluish green that we use. Nice. And I just couldn't not. I just had to have it. I had to have it. That was my whole week, buds. Nice. You guys got anything cool to share before we uh, get into this? No, I'm um, fucking boring, dude. Yeah, same. I'm also pretty boring. <laughs> my lady and I are doing the PA ice cream trails. So that's oh, fun. That's so exciting. That's I could oh, I forgot that was back this year. I'm so excited. I don't know what it is, but I'm so excited. So if you go to 10 of these awesome ice cream places before September 10th, there's like an app thing you can download. I'll send you a link. They send you a little ice cream scoop. But you get to go eat ice cream at these 10 wonderful places. I'm in. You said they send you an ice cream scoop. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm downloading the app now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not waiting on JC. I did it myself. I just went search visit PA, you know, dot com, Pennsylvania. Pursue your happiness. Okay. Well, my happiness today is ice cream. All right. It's still really cool and fun. Yesterday, she and I went to Freddie Hill Farms down in like the Doylestown-ish area. I don't actually remember. And we played mini golf while we were there. And I destroyed her soul. (laughs) So that was fun. I think I won. There was a difference of 19 points between mine and her score. Yeah. Sounds like she needs to fucking get good. That's what I was saying. I was definitely a little mean about it, but also not mad that I was a little mean about it. Ooh, I know what I'm doing with the kid. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's super fun and cute. We've talked about this before on the podcast, and it was right before COVID. Yes. And uh, we were excited about it, and then COVID became the thing, and they had to cancel that year i'd actually talked to the dairy farmers of pennsylvania and said hey please keep us in mind because we don't mind talking about it if you want us to do a free commercial so you know hey this is it this is the free commercial (laughs) check out scooped at ice cream trail you can type it in uh, if you search the visit pa.com website it'll come up and i did it on my phone just now and was able to like immediately install it so it's part of my phone and it makes it a hell of a lot easier and there's a ton of really cool places to visit on here so yeah pa to get the scoop you only have to go to 10 regardless of where you live in pa it might be like a two-hour drive to some because pennsylvania is stupid large i should be larger talking to you ohio they're really worth it it's ice cream that's made on that farm so it's really good you get some really uh unique flavors it's a good time some of them have like little markets that you can like buy fruits vegetables other stuff at too so that's also nice support small and local businesses guys all right so with that we're gonna take a break for our sponsor and when we get back we're gonna be talking about the greatest pirate of all time, the arch pirate. Johnny Depp. 
I'm just leaving that the way it is. I'm not wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Our musical guest for today is whoever wrote the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. <laughs> the only way we can add it in there without getting in trouble is if Cord sings it. <laughs> Quote unquote sings it. Uh, that's what we'll call it. Disney can't come after us. You can barely tell what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, dear listeners. Or <laughs> already over here laughing to himself. I can't wait. I can't wait. These huh. these pirate jokes have been so bad. Oh man, are you ready for like probably my favorite one that I've read so far? You ready? You ready for this one? I don't know if you're ready for this one. All right. What do you call a pirate with both eyes and all of his limbs? Just a guy? Kiki, any prisoner, a rookie. I was close. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Right. I love it so much. I'm glad you enjoyed that joke, Cord, because I know no one else did. Our listeners didn't. I didn't. Kiki didn't. No one else did but you. So I'm glad you have that. <laughs> if I don't have that, what do I have? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Alright, so uh, continuing on with our Pirates of Summer series. After we uh, told you guys the tale of Thomas II and we've talked about the Pirates of the Round that started off in New England and even Philadelphia, well, it just wouldn't be right to leave out the greatest pirate of all time and the one who managed to gather all of these North American-based men into one place, the shores of Madagascar. But let's talk about Pennsylvania for a moment, you know, because after all, we are a Pennsylvania podcast. Some people may have forgotten that. We really want to drive that home. We've already talked about dairy farms here in Pennsylvania right off the bat. So, boom, <laughs> baby. Well, most people may not realize is that William Penn actually owned the land here so he wasn't essentially the governor as much as like the proprietor of said land and he's also a quaker so uh we had mentioned before that um king william's war is going on currently like right now well in this time period right oh okay <laughs> yeah sure we're at war with england right now did you know that <laughs> let me get my musket ready you forgot what it was called, motherfucker. I was going to say, not remember the word yeah. for that firearm, buddy. No, nope. it was close. I was almost like, is he going to say Eminem or? <laughs> <laughs> so when King William starts asking William Penn to pay his taxes to England and to raise men for the war effort, I love. It's funny. That's actually correct. When you say, "Oh, we're going to raise men," you know, for the war. It just like are we planting them somewhere like is there a field of men somewhere that we could just you know they're done shit Go she's on to our secret cord we must murder her for the council of men oh, oh, no. <laughs> i don't think i'm ready for this men aren't born <laughs> we're grown <laughs> it was gonna be the day i was not prepared. 
Oh, man. Uh, so King William's War, as the colonies will call it. Basically, William Penn said, get fucked. I'm a Quaker and I'm not sending you shit because I'm also a pacifist. So let me send you both of these middle fingers, motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I wish that that's true. Like a lot of the stuff that happens in this episode, I, I, I have written it in such a way that I want it to be said this way. Okay. Like, <laughs> William Penn's like, oh, I'm sorry, King William. You're going to have to, I'm sorry, get and fucked right now because I'm not sending you shit. <laughs> So the Quakers are pacifists, as I said. Sending men off to kill other men or paying money into a war are things that Pennsylvanians do not want to do, generally speaking. Because you see, Pennsylvania was never a state interested in violence. It wasn't until William Penn was in danger of losing his position here, which would have completely destroyed the culture and society that was already here that he agreed to raise an actual militia. And even then, it was to help fight the French in Canada, not to protect the, quote, government of Pennsylvania, per se. Prior to this, Penn had reserved the right to call up citizens to fight voluntarily, but only in cases of dire emergency. Every other attempt to create a militia in this state fizzled out, because no one was interested in maintaining one And I doubt very much that central Pennsylvania is listening. But if you are, we never had a reason to have a militia here. We were born and raised here as pacifists. Why do you insist that we need such militias here in this state? I will never understand. However, I digest. Nobody's going to get that. Okay. Wait. I got it. I got it. I got, I got it. it. I just didn't know if it was on purpose or accident, so I was thinking of how harshly to go in on you. <laughs> but it seems like it was on purpose. That was a Brent Tarhune um, homage to Brent there. All right, so all of what I just said about Pennsylvania is important because Philadelphia will eventually turn against England, and I think one of the reasons... Wait, when? Well... <laughs> Like, literally a few years after this, so... <laughs> ah, gotcha. Not necessarily Revolutionary War yet. I'm talking... We'll get, we'll get to this specifically, actually, in this part of the episode, but... Philadelphia has always been a city about fucking the authorities, okay? Yeah, yeah. Don't fuck with Philly. And it starts now. Yeah. Because I think one of the reasons is that, that England had essentially been forcing William Penn to go against his Quaker ideals and thus a lot of the the ideals of many people who currently were living here at the time. So when the time comes to, I don't know, fit pirate vessels in Philadelphia or harbor pirates, Pennsylvania is going to act like there's nothing to see here. Move along. Makes sense. So at the same time that William Penn is getting bullied into helping England, John Eastman, the governor of Rhode Island, gave England even less than nothing. His unwillingness to help with King William's war put his own militia that he did have in the hands of Massachusetts. Now, I have talked at length about Massachusetts Puritanism in the Dixie Bowl episode and how it really messed up a lot of people's lives. So Eastman is going to argue against this several times, back and forth between him and the king. But it's not until a small group of teenage girls, most likely with post-traumatic stress disorder, started seeing witches everywhere. 
And Eastman basically says, look at these idiots and what they're doing to each other. Do you honestly think they should be in charge of anything, let alone a small army? This is going to be kind of important because where did most of the pirates of the round originate? In New England, if I remember correctly. I'll remind you that last episode we talked about the Rhode Island pirates. Yeah. (laughs) And discussed the terrible losses at Bantry Bay and Beachy Head that would ultimately leave their mark on privateers everywhere, but very much so a man named Henry Every, and that is who this episode is about today. Uh, mostly. Yeah, buddy. Every had served in both of those battles and, after the latter, resigned his commission in the Royal Navy. Perhaps out of disgust for the way his captain, Torrington, was treated, or maybe because he just had enough of the way the Royal Navy treated everybody. Because it wasn't good. <laughs> after he left the Navy, Every takes a few years and does some questionable things. <laughs> Namely, getting himself involved in the Atlantic slave trade. Oh. Yeah. That is questionable so this is 1691 he is given a commission by someone who we've already spoken about which is isaac newton isaac newton oh my god yeah newton. no it's isaac rich richier or richier i'm not really sure the royal governor of bermuda so remember though a year after this in 1692 is when thomas too and george do are going to be given their letters of mark from the very same person to also go do some nefarious things to the french But in the meantime, a year before that happens, Every is already there. And he's given these letters to basically go up and down the coast of Africa near Guinea and snatch a great many Africans from their shores to force them into slavery. At one point, he's known by the alias Long Ben and his reputation for being very sneaky about how he captures so many Africans becomes well known, not just to the intended victims, but also other captains. And this is where Every becomes sort of a complete mystery to me because he doesn't just enslave Africans. Okay. And this is literally how I always explain things from an anthropological standpoint. Uh, There's a bunch of white men in charge and uh, they're making all the decisions for the civilized world. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm about to tell you is by no means an excuse for bad behavior. It's simply how Africans were viewed at the time. Again, these are old white men who are deciding completely inaccurately that everyone who is not white is a savage and should be treated as such. There are plenty of folks who are going to rail against this within civilized society, but the average person, unfortunately, is going to believe that if you're a dark-skinned person, then you're lesser than them. However, they also believe that anyone who is a Catholic is lesser. They'll believe anybody who's conspiring against them is lesser. Basically, the list uh, is pretty damn long for an Englishman when it comes to who he believes is lesser than, than him at this point. I mean, to be honest, Fair. I'm saying all this because while I'm completely pissed at Every for turning into a slaver himself, which I think he should have known better regardless, he's also capturing and enslaving slavers. Well, that's one way to limit the competition. You know, (laughs) that is, it's the weirdest thing. But yeah, that is actually one of my uh, questions. I'm like, is he literally just trying to take out the competition? Or was he instructed by Richier or Richier to do this, right? Take out the competition. Does he just not like the other captains sailing up and down the coast? 
Uh, does he think that he's going to make more money because he's going to capture more slaves if there's less people, right? That's also part of taking out the competition. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he would trick these captains into coming onto a ship and then clap them in irons and send them down into the hole with the other slaves. Hey, you want to come uh, trade like slaving secrets with me, buddy? Come on onto my boat. We'll we'll meet up. It'll be a nice it will be a nice time. We'll do uh, food and stuff. Oh, yeah, we got another one, boys. <laughs> I put myself in you know the position of like imagine being a captured African and you're sitting down there and then you see like this white man kicking and screaming in clapped in irons, like being hauled down, and they sit them you know, right next to you. I mean, I think, wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck this guy, right? Ha <laughs> ha, you too are just like me. You're not any better than me. You're also, you're also fucked. But every, I don't think, was doing this to teach any of them a lesson. I think it was just, uh, he didn't care who you were as long as he got money for you. So this is where I have to be like, um, everything after this, makes a lot of sense about how a lot of the men involved in the piracy that's coming up, you would feel bad for them. But you have to remember that as cool as Henry Every may seem on one hand, he absolutely was a slaver on the other. So I, I can't respect any of that. Fair. That's why pirates is a, is a difficult subject to talk about. I'm get, I mean, I'm excited about the history part of it, but I, try not to get attached to these people because most of them are garbage humans not not the best role models we'll say exactly <laughs> yeah no that's one way to put it cord yeah do not trap people in your basement even if it's a nice boat basement <laughs> so after a few years of being an asshole slaver every decides that he's going to get involved in something called the spanish expedition that sounds pretty exciting doesn't it yeah <laughs> It's like you slap the word expedition on the end of anything and it, and it just sounds really great, right? Like like the Narvarez expedition, the, the Burke and Wills expedition, or the Franklin expedition. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, if any of you folks out there are true historians, you'll recognize those three expeditions very quickly and realize that... Uh, yeah, anyway, um, the Spanish expedition... <laughs> <laughs> is the brainchild of Sir James Hublon. Let's just say that he's a wealthy businessman. He's got a whole thing all of his own. Like, I, I, you could do episodes on this man, but I don't want to because he's not... Well, anyway, um, he's in the East India Company <laughs> and the Levant Company. Again, I can't say much about being in the East India Company since my own ancestor was too, so whatever. But uh, uh... You get, yeah, I know. You get the idea. He's He's got friends in high places and he's got a lot of money. He also... I think at this point in history, if I remember correctly, because I didn't, I didn't, wasn't going to add this, but I suddenly realized that he's also uh, starting the Bank of England at this point. So yeah, he's there's a, there's a lot of cash here. Hublon decides that money can be made by investing in ships and plundering the French in the Spanish West Indies. Because remember, this is King William's War. It's everybody against the French, as it should be. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you know that France is one of the places that we don't have any listeners yet. So, I like France. Well, unironically, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's JC's fault with all this hatred he's spreading now. <laughs> Probably mine too. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's 
the fucking British person's fault. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fair. Like you're That's only, fair. You French are only good for the food. That's it. <laughs> and even that's questionable. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I love a good croissant, and I had a great time in France. I love a good croissant. No shit. Your your entire culture's identity. It. I I enjoy a good croissant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you know how to make good bread, make good bread. Right. So anyway, he decides that these ships that he's going to invest in will have a trading and salvage license from Spain, and. They're going to also supply the Spanish with arms. Wait, are the Spanish not born with arms? Ah, damn it. (laughs) I knew it. I knew as soon as you were like, wait. I'm like, fuck. (sighs) (sighs) That's why I get paid the big bucks to do, guys. Weapons. Yeah, I know. You know that. (laughs) So they're going to supply the Spanish with weapons, and they can also recover lost treasures from sunken galleons out that way. So, hey, it sounds fantastic. According to Hublon, it's not just about making money for himself. It's about stimulating the English economy as well. Ah, good old-fashioned trickle-down. He's a saint. He's He's the best. He's also a French Huguenot. He, you know... Well, anyway, yeah, he's a saint. He's a great guy. He's going to do all these wonderful things for the people of England and his home. So let's just take a moment, though, to consider why every would even want to join such an expedition. We don't have any concrete evidence of what every did when he was in his youth. But there's some speculation that he may have served in Algiers, that he was a buccaneer in, in the Caribbean, and that he was a captain of a logging vessel. Now, those are all speculations. There's no hard evidence. But we do know for sure that he served in the Royal Navy, and he was in those two battles. And we know that he was a slaver for years, for, well, for a few years after his Royal Navy service. That's written in stone, so to speak. So when you find out that there's this golden opportunity to deploy with a well-equipped professional armada, where you're getting paid with a month's wages in advance, you're probably reaching the age in which this sounds like a cushy job, one you've waited for your entire life. Basically, guys, this is the retirement plan. Makes sense. Yeah. You, you notice I, I, I put a lot of stuff in there about how, how great of an idea this is, right? Like, it's a golden opportunity. <laughs> I have a feeling that it wasn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> uh, but no, Hublon, he does exactly what he said he's going to do. He, uh, he pays the month's wages in advance himself. He goes down there. He takes the time out of his busy schedule to visit each and every member of the crews of all of the ships. And there's more than one, right? This is an armada, basically, or a small one. So the ships are going to be the Seventh Son, the Dove, which interestingly enough has another very famous pirate as the second mate on that ship. That's William Dampier, my personal favorite. There's also the James and the Charles II. So, I mean, Hublon, man, he's, he's doing everything he said he was going to do. And our boy, Every, he must have been over the moon when he's chosen to be first mate on the magnificent ship, Charles II. It's a very impressive man of war. It's got 46 guns. It is the best ship of the fleet, the fastest one. It's the kind of ship that, like, when you're walking past it, like, it's at dock, you know, they're getting ready. They're like getting ready to leave. And you see this beautiful, massive ship on dock. And somebody's like, man, that is definitely not the ship that you want to fall into enemy hands. 
Yeah. 46 guns is a lot of guns. You said 46, right? I said 46. <laughs> that's a lot of guns. <laughs> like, that's a lot of guns. <laughs> You're like, that's a lot of guns. It's a good amount of guns. With money in hand, months worth in advance, the men serving on all these ships of the fleet are in high spirits. This was going to be the quintessential good time. Plundering and pillaging and having a license to do it. That's like the dream, okay? Right. The short version of the story is... Everyone dies. It didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did it not work out, it didn't work out in the grandest of fashions. There is a delay where the men on board these ships are going to be sitting there for six months, never leaving Acarunia, Spain. Yeah, Just sitting there waiting. Total. Six, six, six months. There's talk of some kind of paperwork issue with Spain, how the licenses were supposed to come from them. Nothing's getting done. And the worst part yet is that they're not getting paid either. So this rumor starts that Hublon has actually sold all of these men to Spain to be slaves, which is why they're not getting paid. Uh-oh. Oh. And I kind of imagine that Every's thinking to himself that this might be a just end for all the years of his enslaving other people. Like, perhaps there's a fleeting moment of terror as he contemplates the rest of his life being forced to do what other people want him to do. Maybe even he realizes that that's what he was doing the whole time in the Royal Navy anyway. And it got him nowhere. Just right here, sitting on this ship. Not very good. No. So that rumor of slavery starts to gather a lot of teeth when the families of those essentially trapped on board these ships in Spain, they go to Hublon begging him to give them the money that they're legitimately owed. And we're talking like women and children in dire straits here because their husbands aren't getting paid. Mm -hmm. This is not a joke. Imagine not having money for six months and you have three kids to feed. So these family members finally accuse Hublon of carrying out the slave trade with their husbands, sons, brothers, fathers, right? They wind up taking him to court over this. The court proceedings don't work out. They go to his home. They've really had enough. They try to do things like legally. Sounds familiar, right? We had another guy who tried to do some things legally and that didn't work out. Uh, that, that was the first pirate that, that I talked about. So they go to Hublon's house and... Um, they're just ba- basically, like, can you please pay us some of the money that you owe us because we need to eat and pay rent. And he tells them that they can go collect the money from the Spanish king for the men belong to him and, quote, could pay them or hang them as he pleased. And here's where I have to ask myself, uh, did Hublon know exactly who Henry Every was? when he gave them the job of being first mate on the best ship of the fleet? I mean, did he know that he was a master of trickery and deceit? Mm. <laughs> that, he, that he had a really silvery tongue and could get anybody to do what he wanted? Because this is definitely a case in which someone is about to fuck around and find out. Yeah, buddy. Because these women who are begging for the lives of their husbands little side note some of these guys since they've been waiting there so freaking long some fights in some spanish bars and uh wound up actually getting arrested as well so now it's not just i'm going to see my husband to tell him what hublon told me but i'd also like my husband freed and in some cases you know so while this is going on when the women are actually begging for their 
their husband's lives, for example, the Spanish expedition is going to suffer a huge problem. And that is the captain of the Charles II and the commander of the fleet, Captain Strong, just suddenly dies. There is a little bit of a rumor about he got poisoned. <laughs> oh. Because, you know, apparently he wasn't quite doing enough to get these guys either paid or freed from their contracts. That seems to be another problem. There is a one man who will claim later that he attempted to get out of his contract with the Spanish expedition and that he was denied, which only made it seem more likely that they were slaves. Now, traditionally speaking, and this is kind of important, Henry Every would have been given the captaincy of Charles II because he was first mate. But because the person who was also serving on, as captain of the, of the Charles, that person would also be called the fleet captain. And so they did not give it to Henry Every. They gave it to uh, the captain of the James, which was Charles Gibson, uh, most likely due to the fact that Every did not have a lot of experience being a captain, which I think, I don't know, I think that's kind of bullshit just because um, he served in, in the Royal Navy. It's not like he didn't know what he was doing. I feel like maybe he also thought that was bullshit too. Captain Gibson is uh, a drunk and whoring kind of guy. He's constantly going out and getting the ladies while he's drinking. So he's a pretty terrible captain. <laughs> Sounds it. So to recap, no one's getting paid. Some kind of paperwork issue is supposedly holding up the expedition leaving port. You're not sure if you're a slave or not. Your flagship has the worst captain in the fleet as also your flag captain. Sounds like a great time. It's a great time. And then here is where some of the ladies who attempted to ask Hublon for their money actually show up in Spain to talk to their husbands. Oh, God. And they tell them exactly what Hublon said about them. The whole line about go get your money from the king because he can either pay you or hang you. And now there is a real sense of fear that they are prisoners or slaves of Spain. And so these guys begin to talk. And they're going to talk about their anger and frustration. And they are probably, at this point, going to start talking about a man who's showed up in some newspapers and a few stories passed around in pubs. And that man is going to be Thomas too, Because by now, everybody knows that he has this treasure hoard. <laughs> and most importantly, they're going to talk about how he's living in New York among high society. <laughs> at the New York Colony, didn't care <laughs> at all about what he did and was like, hey. Come spend your money here, baby. Sounds about right. So I'm not going to get too detailed into the ins and outs of exactly who was involved in the conspiracy. Just the most important part, and that is that Henry Every was definitely the leader of the mutiny that's about to take place. Right. With a very important stipulation, which was that no one gets killed. No violence against any of the crews. I mean, that's a good stipulation. I like that. Yeah. Um... It's, uh, it's, he is definitely a conundrum. Nobody can quite figure him out. It's like one minute he's, I feel like like one minute he's this downtrodden Royal Navy guy who did not come from money, as we had talked previously to about the fact that he would have been someone who was a quote commoner, you know, trying to make his way in the world and make his way up in the world through very hard work. And he had gotten promoted at least once. and he basically feels like he got shit on right in the Royal Navy. And he did. I think he did. I think a lot of those guys did, especially for losing those two battles. Right. But then he's like a fucking slaver. And you're like, what the fuck did he fuck? Like what? You got treated like shit. 
because you were not good enough, right? You you were seeing other people get promoted above you, maybe that had money. And now you're like fucking putting people into chain. This, ugh, what the fuck, dude? No. <laughs> then this happens. And then you start feeling, you feel bad for all these guys. Cause most of these guys like didn't fucking ask for this. They signed on to something that they thought was very legit. And technically it was privateering, but it was against the French and you were at war with France. So that was okay to plunder French ships. Yeah. As it still should be. <laughs> right. <laughs> But even during all of this, he's all like, don't kill anybody because they're Englishmen. They're like us. Which also speaks volumes to the fact that a lot of these men, I think, were not rich landholders. You know, they were just the common man who was looking for a way to make a bunch of money to retire so they wouldn't have to do this bullshit anymore. So on Monday, May 7th, 1694, men from the James pulled their longboat alongside the Charles II and asked the soon-to-be-infamous question, Is the drunken Boston on board? This is the code word that's going to start the mutiny. Captain Gibson is guess where? where? At a whorehouse. Oh, yes. Close. Yes, I would have probably guessed that too. So. Good, yeah, I guess. He's actually just drunk and passed out in his quarters. Also Close works. Enough. At one point, the I swear to God, this is my favorite, my absolute favorite scene that I have in my head of everything, anything at all, Henry Avery, like, or he goes by Avery or Avery, like anything this man's ever done, this is it. This is, this is the fucking baller thing. At one point, Captain Humphreys now, right? He took over the James. He calls out to Avery, warning him that it looks like a mutiny is taking place on his ship. And every calmly replies back, I'm perfectly aware. Yeah, I got it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm perfectly aware. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to fucking happen. Honestly, I don't know why they didn't fucking do it sooner. I know, right? <laughs> fucking shit-ass crews. But it'd be more like, since he has to yell a little bit across, he'd be like, yeah, I'm perfectly aware, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. <laughs> and then just standing there and letting them continue the mutiny, like, I'm the fucking leader of the fucking mini asshole. <laughs> uh, Duh. <laughs> of course, the James realizing what, what's actually going on, they fire on the Charles II. This also alerts the Spanish Night Watch, but it's the fastest ship in the fleet, and every is no match for any vessel, and he easily makes it out to sea, slipping off into the night. So with all nice. the new, right, of all the news of Thomas II's successes in the Red Sea just a year prior to this, there's also a rumor that he's about to do it all over again. And these men are well aware of that. So when every tries to convince them that they should go to Madagascar in the Red Sea, uh, the crew is pretty much like, oh, fuck yeah, I thought that was exactly where we were going. <laughs> it's, it wasn't that plan. They then decide that each of them is going to get one share of the treasure and every will get two. And that is when Charles II gets renamed Fancy and sets sail for the Cape of Good Hope. They the named the boat the Fancy. That's a good boat name. I, yeah, It so serves its purpose well because it is a fancy boat. I love it. I think it's just so funny. They're like, ah, she's fancy. That's it. The fancy. That's funny. So along the way, Every and his crew are going to plunder a few ships on their way to their destination. And um, a lot of this is, has to do with replenishing stock of certain things that they didn't have and also asking for men to join them. 
which they they get. <laughs> they get quite a few men who are like, yep, fuck this, I'm out of this ship and I'm joining your crew. In each case, though, Every does not hurt anyone. And, and then he does something else, which is really f- funny. He writes a very long letter saying that he's not going to attack any English ships and that if English ships give him a signal... Like, here, like, here's a special signal, and if you give it to me, then my men will know not to plunder your ship. He's writing this after he's already plundered several English ships. <laughs> <laughs> so people, the historians are basically like, we think he just wrote the letter to try to protect himself against the East India Company ships, which in the end isn't going to work. Spoiler alert. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. He, like I said, he didn't hurt anyone, though. So while Every is uh, trying to make his way down to uh, Madagascar and uh, the Red Sea area, across the world in November of 1694, Thomas II's old crew has started to ask him to go on just one last ride. (laughs) One last, one last heist. Yeah. Then we retire. Yeah. This is one of those like, is it true or is it just that this was the way that people perceived it for happening? Because a lot of books, different authors, different time periods even, they always talk about how these men, like the crew members, will come to their captain and be like, you have to take us, you have to take us again, you know? And the captain's always very reluctant, like, ugh, I don't want to go back out there. So I don't think that two actually wanted to go anywhere. But Unlike two, his men have spent all of their money. And you can go back and listen to that episode, but do you guys remember how much fucking money they had? Like, it was kind of ridiculous. I do not remember what the number was. It was like in the millions for today's money. These guys have already blown through in two years all the money (laughs) that they got. And two, though, he is not. He's got you know, his wife and he's got his children. And So none of you guys put your money aside you just you went to a whorehouse and you said give me your best one and had at it and that was all your money you you i said i specifically said don't spend it all in one place and what did you do you spent (laughs) it all in one place god now i have to go back to work because you guys are bad finance oh my god i assume that's how the conversation went (laughs) i i feel like that was probably yes that was that was thomas's like Yes, that was his conversation to the men who came to visit him. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> I think that the opposite end of the conversation was kind of like, uh, hey, you know, your wife and your daughters are really pretty and it'd be a real shame if anything happened to them. Uh, I don't like that. I think he probably went very much unwillingly at first maybe i don't know or maybe you know maybe it was amicable maybe two was just like oh i've had enough of this cushy life and my fancy friends in the colonies i'm i'm best friend with the governor of new york but oh no please (laughs) please let's go on another fucking voyage across the goddamn sea that's exactly what i want to do i don't enjoy dancing and having parties in new york no no (laughs) fuck no i want to live my life but that's okay no really i'll do this for you because bros before hoes i don't know uh okay either way two winds up saying yes (laughs) yes i'll be your captain great and he goes and gets a new letter of mark from benjamin fletcher we've talked about him before the governor of new york who he's friends with and two set sail on amity once again setting his sights on a prize in the red sea 
But see, these guys don't live in this vacuum. It's not like two doesn't have other friends. And it's not like these guys are not talking to each other. Simultaneously, there are other privateers who are gaining licenses and ships. And some of these we've already talked about in the last episode, but I'm going to get a little bit more detailed here. So there's Richard Want. He's going to be the first one. His ship is called the Dolphin. It's six guns, 60 man brigantine. This is the one that was outfitted in Philadelphia. Rumor has it that an agent of William Penn gave Richard Want his commission. And as I suggested earlier, perhaps Penn was seeing things a bit differently after talking to the king, as in he's had enough of the bullshit and just was like, yeah, sure, here, go, go do the thing. So Want goes to Newport, Rhode Island to, let's say, inform other captains of an upcoming voyage to the Red Sea. Then the very next person to get in line is Captain Thomas Wake, who we talked about. He's got the 100-ton, 10-gun, 70-man bark called Susanna. He had gotten his commission not from the governor of Rhode Island, Easton, but from his deputy, Green. Now, that's a very interesting story in and of itself, but what appears to be happening is that because Easton, or yeah, uh, did I say East? Wait, fuck. I think I, I, think I corrected to Easton. That's <laughs> Eastman. Oops. <laughs> because Eastman is, is also a Quaker, his deputy Green is known for not actually being super religious. So I think that they got around this by having Green sign off on the commissions for privateering so that it kept the governor's name off of everything and also kept him clean as far as being a Quaker. So he was not sending these men off to plunder and pillage and kill other people. No, I didn't do that. My deputy did. Well, I mean, find your loopholes. <laughs> do what you gotta do. <laughs> Next up, the captain of the 90-ton six-gun Portsmouth Adventure, Banks, who we talked about as well. And you might remember in the previous episode that Banks also got his commission from Green, but he is going to immediately turn over that commission and command of the Portsmouth Adventure to Joseph Farrow. And the last man to get involved in this heist is going to be William Mays. He's an old pirate of the round. He's going to be in The Pearl, a 200-ton, 16-gun, 100-man brigantine. Nobody knows where he got his commission from. Uh, some historians believe that he did get it also from Green in Rhode Island, while others suggest he never had one at all. <laughs> yeah, which also would not surprise me. Every single one of these guys is going to claim that their intentions were initially to raid French ships in Canada. Some of those claims will be coming out in court while they're fighting to keep their heads out of a noose at some point. <laughs> in August of 1695, we're back to Every, and he is going to reach the Straits of Bab al-Mendeb, otherwise known as the Gates of Grief or Gate of Tears. A side note, the strait is kind of difficult to navigate. There's also an Arabic legend that talks about an earthquake that separated the Arabian Peninsula from the Horn of Africa, and that this area is named such because of all the people who drowned during that event. Either way, the fancy is going to encounter five other pirates. And you guys probably know exactly who those guys are, right? Thomas Dew, Joseph Farrell, Richard Want, William Mays, and Thomas Wake. The boys. 
all carrying commissions from the American colonies, implicating those colonies in what will be piratical behavior. Oops. While Thomas II would have been the obvious choice to lead this flotilla of six ships total, it's Henry Every who is chosen, and he will find himself in command of over 440 men, and they're going to lie in wait for what's known as the Indian Fleet. A fleet, easily the richest prize in Asia. Any pirates who could catch this would be the perpetrators of the most profitable pirate raid in the entire world. Hell yeah. Go big or go home, that's what I always say. And we will continue next week with the exciting conclusion of the story, as well as the aftermath of the raid and what happened to those involved and what it meant for pirates in the years that followed. Hell yeah. Because it is too much. It was too big to put into one episode, guys. <laughs> and, so, and I left out so many small details that are very interesting. This one was a little bit tame. The next episode, we are going to talk about what really happens to people who cross the East India Company. It wasn't good. No. was not no. good. It was no, no, not no, good. No, no. So today's featured music, huge thank you to the... To Korg Al- for doing <laughs> the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song on his mouth. I was waiting to see if he was going to do it or if I had to bring it up. <laughs> Anyway, for reals, a huge thank you to the Outsect for kind of jumping in here because I had this planned out as a one-part episode. I had to split it into two. So you get to hear the Outsect's song, Bad Walkin'. <laughs> I, love, I love these guys so much. It's, uh, super punky, out of Philadelphia, one of our local bands. So yeah, very cool. They came in came in the clutch for me right now so I could play something for you guys. Because as, I, I, as I've told you many times, I have these all set up in advance and just was like, well, it's too much. It's got to be in, into two parts. So uh, next week's song is also really freaking cool. And I have a funny story to go with it. So stay tuned for that one. And then uh, when we get back, Weekly Squad News. Welcome back, me hearties. Your I'm just gonna say right now that the <laughs> editing process for just editing out every single time that JC yells directly into the mic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no fun at all. Um I'm sorry that I'm an enthusiastic, okay? I'm sorry. Welcome back, me hearties! <laughs> Yeah, thanks. At least Cord knows to step away from the mic when he yells in it. Uh, I I tilt my head up since I have my mic yeah. sitting on the desk. Yeah. I don't lean back. I tilt up. That same effect. Good job. Let's see, JC, you need to take some lessons from the professional wrestler on how to scream. You have into to be careful not to clip the mic. You don't want to clip <laughs> the audio. When you clip it, that's when people who are listening go, "Ow, my ears! I hate you." Yeah. <laughs> That's the real reason that people hate JC right there. That's it. We figured it out. He doesn't shut up. <laughs> he doesn't know how to yell into the mic. 
And I'm over here like, oh God, please just like let me change the audio down just a little bit. Oh god damn it. <laughs> please don't hate JC. It's not his fault. He's learning. <laughs> Instead you should love him. He's been at it for three years. It'll be okay. <laughs> love him like a small child who doesn't know any better. One of these days I'll learn. <laughs> Will you though? No, probably not. I know he won't because I asked him not to do that before and then he did it. That's fair. I think I remember this. On porpoise. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So now that we're done totally destroying JC. Hey, so J- uh, JC, you actually been working with a nonprofit for a really long time. And uh, I know that you can become a patron. Yes. So my nonprofit. Well, not mine. The one I work with for. Cord's also in it. Hey. It's called the Sortag Society. Follow us on the socials. Facebook is probably the one we're most active on. We are currently redoing a church, a chapel in Normal Square, Pennsylvania to use as a quote unquote headquarters. We are a um, community based LARPing group. We LARP, but we also do a lot of stuff in our community and help people out. Uh, After strong storms, we've gone out and done branch and tree removals from people's driveways so that they can get out and about. We've helped the Lee Heighton Downtown Partnership, which is a group of people that just want to improve the Lee Heighton Downtown area. We just try and be active in the community, and we also hit each other with foam weapons, and it is lots of fun. It's fun. But yeah, follow us on the Facebooks. Uh, That's definitely the one we are the most active on. I am not in charge of that. but it's it's lots of fun we also have a patreon we're not putting out a lot of content for that right now but if you want to support us it would be fantastic but yeah it's it's a lot of fun check us out i just go there because i get to beat you up (laughs) you get to try (laughs) you fucking bitch (laughs) no he does for the record (laughs) he does um (laughs) I was going to say, uh, we are going to be in the same place, like, tomorrow. <laughs> We've got our Patreon. We have one, three, and five dollar levels. And one single buck gets you a shout out on the cast. You have access to booper reels, which I have been putting the latest booper reel together. And I'm going to have to split that up into, like, also two parts because... There's already an hour and 20 minutes of bullshit. Hell, um, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good content, time. baby. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> just, yeah. Good job. Anyway. Yeah. So those are fun. It's just a whole bunch of crap that JC says mostly. Yeah. No. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> One dollar also gets you the archived episodes of all of our states and like out of the country type things that we've, that JC and I did early on when Cord was not with us. The $3 level gets you access to the stat block cards and the artwork for Chord versus Cryptid. It also gets you the new versions of all of the uh, states and out-of-country special episodes that we're putting back together again with Chord. I've already uploaded, since we just started doing this, I've already uploaded the very first one. Yeah, going forward, we're going to try to do those like once a month. There's also a couple of special ones that we put out at the $3 level, like when we gave JC a test. You also get some early access stuff, too. Like, if I do special side missions 
I try to put those up for our Patreon supporters at the $3 level or above first. So you kind of get to hear them first and then, then they'll go live like a week, five days to a week later. And then at the $5 level, you get all of that stuff. Plus, uh, we're still working on exactly something to do fun that's like a live type thing. Oh, yeah, and I've got, I just got swag in. So I'll be sending off some really cool swag to, our, to all patrons for this year. Um, yeah. Wait, I get something? I think that'll be kind of fun thing to do. I'm setting it up so that we get these out by uh, the beginning of October. So maybe every year... For example, the swag this year I chose was to make these cool little magnets out of our cute cryptids that um, Ashley did for us, Our uh, one of our artists. We have two artists. We did cute cryptid magnets, and also I have the magnet for the Van Meter Visitor, and then I have stickers for Lala Chusa. Shout out to Sticker Mule, who I use for all this stuff, because they freaking rock. Yeah, so everybody's going to get these this cute little package i also did some fjord horse christmas ornaments for my sister's going away party she now lives in norway so uh everybody's gonna get one of those too as a little thank you nice. hand painted yeah they're cute and then if you just become if you just follow us on uh instagram or yeah fuck on patreon you can still see uh, some of the things I put up there just for everybody to see, like a lot of photographs or tie-ins. And um, since since the website is kind of still being worked on as far as the blog goes, uh, I usually will have, like if there's a lot of information or books that you want to read concerning, like if, when the Pirates is over, I'll probably put like all the books up there. So that's free to, to see. Speaking of the website, working on it, redoing it, it's going to be freaking baller. Um, it's going to also have some more information about the three of us. If you're interested, we're going to be doing like a little questionnaire type thing. And then you get to know a little bit more about us. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and Twitter is where we are mostly. And oh, I know TikTok. Yeah, on TikTok, if you follow Mission Spooky, you're going to get my shit. Um, which but you can also of... follow Mission Spooky JC. Yeah, I was getting there. She's pictures of my cat. No, I'm too excited. I'm too excited. You get to see pictures of my kitty cat. Yeah, you can see pictures of my cat too, but whatever, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, your cat is just okay. You can't <sighs> see pictures of my cat because you don't. I don't do social media or own a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the first thing was I don't do social media, and also I don't have a cat. <laughs> that would also make it a little difficult to do that. Not owning a cat. <laughs> yeah we also have a red bubble store so if you want any of the cute cryptid designs or any of the cool badass designs that chris stone our other artist does for us those are up there there's also t-shirts with like the cryptid i mean the cryptid uh, art card our logo all that stuff is on there and as far as upcoming guest spots you can listen to all of Route 66 now, I think, on Dark Passages podcast, which is Chris Stone's podcast. Our artist, but he's also a writer of original horror. And all of us have chipped in at some point and done voices for multiple stories. So that's pretty cool. Also, by now, if you're listening to this, by now, I have a very, very tiny, itty-bitty part in the Ghost Story Guys. If you go check out Ghost Story Guys feed on instagram uh follow them they do all the announcements and stuff but i should be in one of their audio dramas by now 
think it's dropping in sometime in, in August, possibly the 15th, if I remember correctly. But anyway, it'll be out by now. So go check check them out on Spotify or wherever you hear your podcast. Those audio dramas have been a lot of fun. Um, the one they did for Christmas a couple of years ago was absolutely amazing. So I was very, I'm very excited to be part, a very tiny, tiny, itty bitty little part within the larger scheme of Ghost Story guys because they're just fucking great. But anyway. Um, and check out Paul Bestel's show too. Uh, he is a ghost story guy, but he also has mysteries and monsters and he's had some fascinating people on the last couple weeks as far as interviews go. So check, check that. And of course our partners in crime, Lost Legends, Tales of Thern is going strong. Yeah. The story arc, I believe that this season is going to, or this will be the final season for this particular story. So please make sure you go listen to the whole thing. It's amazing. Ben just does a great job. And of course they're doing a fantastic job with us too. We do have two more Core versus Cryptids already planned for this year. Yeah, that's going to be a blast. I don't want to say anything to Cord about what they are because it's a secret. One of them is definitely. I think you. I think you know about one, but I don't think you know the order in which you're going to be receiving them. So <laughs> get it. Um, and then one of them is a huge surprise. It's something that Logan and I talked about and. It should be very funny. Interesting. Yeah, so I think we're going to round out the year with with that one. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Taking us out again is the Outsect from Philadelphia. Huge, huge, huge thank you to them as well for allowing us to use their music today. It is called Bad Walkin', and I just thought it was really funny because it kind of goes perfectly with the whole like all these guys, all these pirates. They're bad walking right now. They're going to be coming at you next week. We'll finish that out. Anyway, until then, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. If you could, uh, please go to the King of Spain. Uh, he has our phone number. He'll get in contact with us and he'll get us, um, you know, that that's that's the best way to get in contact with us right now via the current King of Spain. Word. I didn't know we were that high up in society, dog. There is no King of Spain cord. Yes, there is. Is there? I thought they had a democracy. Dude. The king of Spain is Felipe VI of Spain, dude. The fuck? You know, I went to school in America. This isn't my fault. (laughs) Jesus criminy. (laughs) 